Amen. Hey, let's pray together. God, thank you for the chance to be in your house as your people. What an amazing and precious thing that is. And so we ask that you would meet with us right now, Lord, and speak to us. And everybody said, Amen. If you have a Bible, meet me in the book of James today. The book of James. So last week we kicked off a series called Summer Reading. And uh, as you're vacationing around the world, those of you watching online, you should feel bad that you're on vacation and that we're not. But that's okay. We're glad by the miracle of technology you can join us anyway. But last week we went through Proverbs and we talked about wisdom. And so hopefully you had a chance to read through some of the book of Proverbs this week and think through some of the things we talked about last week. But last week what we looked at was that Proverbs tells us in chapter 1 verse 7 that it's the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. And the connection we made to the New Testament was where the Bible tells us that Jesus alone is our wisdom. So that that scripture in John fifteen five that says apart from Jesus you can do nothing really is reality for those of us who are in Christ. That we, we don't have wisdom apart from him. So when you step into the New Testament and you begin to look at the gospel uh, realized in Christ, we come to the book of James. And if you're a young Christian or a new Christian, uh, you're going to read this book and it's going to give you some marching orders. And hopefully you're going to come to some scriptures in James and be motivated to do. But if you've been paying attention at Redeemer City Church at all, we've put the emphasis on done, not do. Are you tracking with me today? All right? Because when Jesus was on the cross, the final thing that he said before the Bible says he gave up his spirit, because we know that people didn't take his life, he offered his life, he said these words. He said, it is finished. So why then, when we come to James chapter 1, now I'm going to jump ahead of myself, and then we're going to come back, but why in James chapter 1 does the Bible say, in verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself? Why such an emphasis on doing? When Jesus said it was done. It's a great question. And it's a very important question because uh, there's other scriptures that say by your fruit we will know you. So which one is it? You see because there's a temptation even for those of us who have been following Jesus for a long time. I mean some of us were born in church. I'm just saying like not in the weird way, like we were actually born in church, but like we were born and it was like seconds later. I'm speaking about myself, but some of you are going to know what I'm talking about, where if the doors were open, we were there. And so even for somebody who's been in this for so long, decades, there is a temptation for every Christian, young, old, seasoned Right, it's not called old now, right? It's called, uh, what do we call you people? Mature. Mature. Uh, and uh, 
there's this temptation for us to take the gospel, climb the ladder of Jesus, and then kick it out and say, I don't need, I've moved beyond that fact that Jesus died for me, paid the price, made the way, made me righteous, and now it's, now it's up to me to work for him. But Paul makes an interesting statement in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. He said, just as you received Christ, continue to walk in Christ. Hopefully you're starting to feel a little bit of the confusion. Because when you come to James, you're going to read a lot about what you ought to be doing. In fact, he's going to go on and say in verse, and I'm not going to put this on the screen for you, but uh, that in verse 26, if anyone thinks he's religious but does not bridle his tongue and deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So which one is it? Can we have our cake and eat it too? Can, 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 can it be all about what Jesus has done for us? And the things that James is saying still be true. I want to dive into really what, for those of us in Christ, is one of the most important distinctions and, quite frankly, contributions to the New Testament that we have to wrap our head around. Does that make sense? That there's this tension between done and do that we all feel. And even if you've been a Christian for a short amount of time, you feel this tension. You feel this tension that when you are around somebody who you perceive to be more spiritual than you are, that you need to like raise your game. You need to like raise the bar. It's the same thing that happens on your social media, right? You like think you're having a good week and then you get on social media and you see everything else everybody else is doing that you're not doing and you start to feel bad about yourself. It's human nature. We look around and we compare and we start to think, man, what, what am I doing wrong <laughs> Where's God in my life? So I, I want to dive into that. And who better to think about this from than Jesus' little brother, right? If you are new to the Bible, the book of James is written by Jesus' younger brother. And he was a bold little brother. And what's fascinating is to listen to the things that he said about his sibling. How many of you have a brother or a sister? Raise your hand. Everybody, I think. Just about everybody. No single children here. No, no. Wow. Interesting. Only child. So, Kenny, you're, you don't have to listen right now. I'm just kidding. How many of you that just raised your hand would say, I think my sibling is God? Any hands? Any hands? <laughs> you can't tell her to say it to raise your hand, okay? That makes you not God. All right? No, no, we don't do that, right? There, there's no excuse. I have an older sister. She's two and a half years old, older than me. And I, I would never tell you that she's God. Maybe, maybe Satan, but not. I love you, Steph, if you ever get on and watch this. Uh, you are not Satan. I believe in you. Jesus loves you. He's for you, not against you. You're more than a conqueror in him. So hopefully she's feeling better now. But, right, like, there's no confusion, right? Like, we're... we're we're not confused about who our siblings are. We love them because blood is thicker than water. And we can be beating on them in one moment 
and walk out the door. And if somebody else does, it's a problem, right? Like, you know, you're tracking with me. But James has a totally different perspective on who Jesus is because he grew up with him. Can you imagine growing up with a brother or sister who never did anything wrong? Just think about that. Some of you, your siblings in the room and you're like, no, no, I can't. <laughs> like how, how frustrating it would be for you to go get spanked and your brother to never have gotten spanked. For every time mom said, eat your broccoli, I would love to because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Like, come on. <laughs> Shut up, Jesus, right? Like, can I even say that? He's God, right? But listen to what, listen to how James opens his letter here. Again, not on the screen. I just want this to sink in. James 1.1, James, a servant of God. Okay, that's easy. But listen to this. And of the Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine saying that about your sibling. It's a proof that Jesus is who he said he is. Because here's a brother who, up until Jesus died on the cross, did not believe that Jesus was who he said he was. But watch Jesus die, and then raise to life three days later. And the response from his younger brother is, I am a servant of Jesus pretty impressive and so james has moved from death to life and his whole perspective on what it means to be a christian is shifted see because before that he was seeing a religious system and after that he was seeing a relationship with his brother who was god and he clues us into things that are incredibly important and he has a lot to say about jesus so if you have a bible go to james chapter 1 verse 19 if not uh, you can turn on your phone get the Version bible app and uh, not only will the scriptures be there but you can go under events and you can follow along with our notes there's note sheets that you probably picked up on the way in we've got some things for you to write down today it's going to be a good day but james chapter 1 verse 19 here's what the bible says Know this. Lift up your voice and say the word no. It's going to be important. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. How are we doing so far? <laughs> Bad is the correct answer. Listen to verse 20. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of of God, right? It's Romans 2, 4, which says the kindness of God leads to repentance. Interesting. And then James just throws this bone to us, verse 21. Therefore, since that's true, therefore, just put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. 
That's easier for some of us than others. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. All right. We have our work cut out for us. So let's pray. And then I just got two things for you, and then I want to tie it together with a bow. Ready? All right, let's pray. God, thanks for your word. Pray that you would open our hearts to see your word. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Change our minds where we're wrong. Encourage us where we're downtrodden. And convict us where we need to change. In your name we pray. Amen. Number one. In your notes, you'll see there's a blank, know the word. Know the word. You can't do any of the things James is telling you about if you don't know the word. Go back to verse 19, 20, and 21. Listen carefully to what James is saying here about his brother and his brother's word. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Up to this point, the orders are tall to be a doer of the word. Because what it's saying is once you know the word, right? You've heard me say, if you've come to Redeemer City Church at all, with knowledge comes responsibility. Once I know what God wants, it feels like this text is telling me that it's on me to make it happen. And there's some truth to that. Your life in Christ is different and should look different than when you are outside of Christ. It should look like this. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all the filthiness. Put away all the rampant wickedness. But true to form, even James the doer brings hope for you and me. Because the first thing he says is you have to know the word. And where we run with that is to the list that's provided instead of the pathway to the list that's provided. Are you tracking with me on that? That we we are running to the outcome not to the change. So keep reading and listen carefully. He says this, put away the filthiness and rampant wickedness and do what? Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. What's that all about? So let me, let me break two things down for you and then, and then pull it together. Okay. So first of all, if I get up tomorrow and you get up tomorrow... We take that verse and say, I am getting rid of right now all of the filth in my life and all of the rampant wickedness in my life. 
and I am going to be better. We would say, that's good. That's good. Here's the two problems. One, you can't. If you've ever tried, you can't. Have you ever tried? We've all tried. You have tried. I know you've tried. Some of you have told me you've tried. And then we commiserate over coffee that we can't do it. And then we ask Jesus to help us. Amen? Amen. Yeah, like we can all get on board with that. Because it's true. So why does James say that? So, so the first thing is, is you can't actually do that. Why would the Bible tell you to do something you can't do? And second, what is the outcome if you were somehow able to pull that off? Pride. Look what I did. I cut all that stuff out of my life. I'm pretty awesome. I nailed it this week. Right? Who becomes the center of attention? You do. I do. That's not good for anybody. Right? That, In fact, that's a sin. <laughs> so we're right back to the filth part. Aren't we? So why, why is he telling us to do that? You see, because you need a proper picture of who you are before you can know who God is. If you don't think you need grace, grace will never be valuable to you. If you can't see how bad you are, you'll never see how good God is. You know, there, we get that question as pastors a lot. You know, why is there evil in the world? Well, why is there good? How would you know there was something so good if there wasn't something so bad? A lot of times we ask the other way around. Why, is, why if God's so good, is there such evil? Well, why isn't there just evil? God has chosen to bring good into the picture. And so what, what we need from James here is first what James had to learn. He learned it right in front of him for 33 years from his older brother who was perfect. And then died and rose again. And James is saying, we need to put all of that stuff away. But how do I do that? This is awesome. Receive with meekness. Okay, so we're, we're, do, we're, we're seeing the opposite of pride because what he just told you is that you're a terrible person. And now that you're meek, <laughs> now that you've been cut down to size, now that you recognize that you're at the end of your rope and you've got a picture of who you are, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. But wait a minute. Isn't the word what he just said? That I should cut all that stuff out? No. The word is not a thing. It's a person. The Bible describes Jesus this way in John chapter 1, verse 1. John, who was a disciple of Jesus, who watched all of those same things happen that James had just watched, and they both went and wrote about what they had just seen. And so when he says, receive the implanted word, John, at the same time period, was writing the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, verse 1, which says, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
You seeing the connection? James and John had access to the same word, and his name was Jesus. So what you're seeing here is John say, is James say, you have to cut out all the crap. That's what it, that's paraphrase. That's Mitch version. All right, that wasn't in the Greek. Okay, it is elsewhere though. I want you to know. All right, he's saying. This is what we need, but we can't get it. I mean, if anybody knew that, it was James, right? He had grown up around Jesus. He he knew something was different. But then he saw him rise from the dead. He watched Jesus on the cross look at John and say, John, behold your mother. That had to affect James had to affect James. And so James is looking and saying, man, we need to talk less, listen more, and get rid of sin. How do we do that? How do we become this doer of the word? We have to know the word before we can do the word. You can't do anything that God has called you to do apart from Christ. John fifteen five. You need to know the Word. You need to know God before you will ever be able to do anything. Amen? So what does knowing the Word give way to? What does it give way to? Let's go unpack this again. Because there's still the temptation to say, I know Jesus, now I've got to work for him. That's not what's happening here. Even in this confusing text, that's not what's happening. So let's look at it. So he says, once you receive this implanted word, number two in your notes, do the word. So we got to know the word and do the word, right? Know the word, know Jesus, and then we do the word. <laughs> you know that I'm setting you up for a, for a, for a trap. But listen to what he says from verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. This is critically important because when you come to Christ, if you then only hear that and then begin to do stuff for Jesus, you have only deceived yourself. You may fool those of us around you that you're a better Christian than you actually are. But you're only deceiving yourself. What is James saying here? Keep, keep reading. It says you're deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror and forgets at once what he was like. That would be like me... Um, Coming to you and being like, hmm, I am blonde haired, I'm short, and I speak in my native tongue of Swahili. You'd be like, no, you don't. That doesn't make any sense. You're not blonde haired, you are not uh, short, and you definitely, definitely do not speak Swahili. <laughs> you don't even speak good English, let alone Swahili. James is saying it's that unnatural for us to know God. 
and not be changed by it. It's so unnatural for you to know God and not be changed by it. Still sounds long on law and short on grace. But let's let him explain himself. Look at what he says here in the next verse. Once he gives us that picture of it really doesn't make sense if I'm not transformed by my relationship with Jesus. That, that doesn't make sense. But how do we get there? How do we get there? Look at this, verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law. Okay, let's stop with that. What is the perfect law? Jesus said when he was walking around on earth, when he put his sandals on and his robe on and he walked on dirt roads, what he says was, you need to be perfect because I am perfect. Like that does not sound very liberating. (laughs) Be perfect because I am perfect. Okay, that's the perfect law. And then we have the Ten Commandments, we have Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus says, I know you've heard it said that you shouldn't commit adultery, but I tell you, if you even think about a girl in the wrong way, you're guilty of adultery. I know you've heard it said that you shouldn't commit murder, but if you hate anyone, you're guilty of murder. Jesus takes the law and drives it that much farther. Why? Why? I... Who, 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 who among us is not guilty of one of those two things? This week. <laughs> right? Like, no, I'm not even talking about like all time. I'm talking about like this week. Yesterday. What, what is happening there? James says, the one who looks into the perfect law. Now get this. The law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, this, he will be blessed in his doing. What's going on there? Jesus says, be perfect because I'm perfect. Why is that liberating? Why is that liberating? It's liberating because it's why Jesus came. Jesus comes and says, here's, here's the standard. Here is where you need to be. And your problem as a human being is that you can't get there. That you can't do it. You don't stand a chance with the perfect law. You can't. But when you receive the implanted word which is able to save your soul, that perfect law becomes a law of liberty because somebody kept it for you. Think about that. Why is the law liberating? Because once I am rescued and reconciled to God, which is what Paul tells the Corinthian church, once I'm reconciled to God and clothed in his righteousness, I vertically meet the standard that God has called me to meet. And when I know that that is secure, I can turn around and serve you expecting nothing in return. It's the only way the law is liberating. To know that it's been kept on my behalf regardless of my performance. And what happens then is it becomes a law of liberty. It becomes a part of where you can participate 
in what God is doing and bringing his kingdom from earth, from heaven to earth, just like he prayed right before he died. All of that connects together. And James is saying what, what, what is really happening here is if you forget about how that flow goes, you're deceiving yourself. That you have to know the word to ever be able to do the word. You have to know the word to ever be able to do the word. Because what he's going to go on and say next, just in case you thought you were going to be able to keep it, is that here's what religion that God accepts looks like. How do I get there? I have to come to a point where I don't need your approval. Because I already have his. And so there's a vertical and a horizontal element that until the vertical is settled, I don't stand a chance in the, ver- in the horizontal. Because here's, here's the reality. We're prone to self-deception, aren't we? We're prone to read stuff like this and uh, think, well, I, I can get better at that. I can get better at that. But that's not what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? He said, you have to be perfect. He didn't say better was good enough. How good is good enough anyway? I mean, whose scales? It's God's scales. And Jesus said, you have to be perfect. You need someone else to do that for you. And James says, the law only becomes the law of liberty when you receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Why does he connect salvation to this? Not because you're working for salvation, but you're working from it. It's a huge difference. Huge difference in your success rate. Because when you're, that's why Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. That's why Paul says, walk just as you were saved. Because when Jesus is the center of attention, it becomes a law of liberty instead of a law of death. That's why Paul can say in Romans, oh, death, where is your sting? It's the only way. Is that when I know the word, the person, that I can ever do the word, the instruction. And if we get that backwards, we get it wrong. And it just becomes the law. But the law under Jesus becomes liberty. And it's, it's huge for us. Because it's entirely possible to know a lot about God and not be close to God. And that's a dangerous place to be. So I want to do this. I, I want to just take a couple minutes while the band plays and ask you to go to the Lord. Because you don't need more from me in that moment. You need the Lord. You see, because he says, receive with meekness the implanted word. And where better to do that? What better place to do that than with the people of God? You know, we, we can play games and, and we, can, we can pretend we're uncomfortable, but at the end of the day, we're all going to stand before God. And he's offering Jesus 
free of charge. And we need to come to the realization that James did that, that I, I'm not going to make that. I'm not going to make it. I need Jesus. And what I love about that is the gospel is not just for people who don't know Christ. It's for those of us that do. It's the way we keep going. Because if I just keep looking at how many times I fall, I'm just going to stay down one time. What allows me to get back up? That His mercies are new every morning. That I can every day get up and receive with meekness the implanted word. Did you know James wrote that letter to a church? It was written to a church. It wasn't written to new believers. It's written to a church. The one in Jerusalem that was established and then got scattered in persecution. Receive with meekness the implanted word. And then do the word because you don't need anything from anybody else. And in that context, who cares if you get your house back? Who cares if you get your stuff back? Because you you have Jesus, the perfect law of liberty. The one who said be perfect and knew you couldn't, so he went and was perfect for you. God's grace can reach all of us and then carry all of us.